to do for you first off is uh, sort of walk through camp for you. So they reviewed really well um, in their thank you love fest um, how what we, all the volunteers, let me give you what we talked about each night with your kids, okay? So the first night of Mega Sports Camp, and every night of Mega Sports Camp, we give them a mega point. And the mega point is transferable throughout all of life. It's just a wonderful principle. And so for the mega point for Monday, it was, Jesus is my hero because he created me. And so we help the kids see that, and then we reinforce that with a Bible story. So we look, turn to Genesis chapter 1, and we say, God created the whole world and he created you. And that's so important for these kids to hear because at mega sports camp, they might think to themselves, I wish I was taller, I wish I was stronger, I wish I was faster, I wish I could do the jumps like my friend can do. And we're able to come alongside the kids and say, God created you just how he wants you to be and God makes no mistakes and God loves you just how you are. So there's are really important principles that we were able to um, reinforce throughout the week. But we also are telling the good news of the Bible. So when we come to camp on uh, day two, we talk about endurance. So Jesus' love endures even when I make mistakes. And that's certainly an important thing for kids to learn because we all make a lot of mistakes. But Jesus' love endures through all of that. We turned in Scripture to Genesis chapter 3, though, and helped them see the very first mistake that was ever made. And that was Adam and Eve in the garden when their mistake was significant. They chose to disobey God and to just do what they wanted to do instead of what God wanted them to do, and they ate the fruit. And with that, our world was broken. And so that's sad. There's death that comes into the world as a consequence of sin. But we were able to return on Wednesday, the third day of camp, and say, okay, Jesus always sees exactly what I need. So Jesus looked down from heaven. He said, oh, no, my children that I've created, oh, they are in great need because now death has come into my perfect world, and I know just what they need. And so we talked about Jesus being born. He comes down to earth to give us the gift of his life and to give us just what we need. So then on Thursday when we came, we talked about his death on the cross. The mega point was, I am ready to respond. Just like Jesus, I'm ready to respond. Jesus was ready to respond to our need and die on the cross for us. And so we looked at Luke 23, Jesus died. <clears throat> Jesus dying on the cross for us. And we told the kids, we challenged them and said, um, you need to be ready to respond. The things we're telling you are true. And you need to believe that or, or choose. You just need to make a response. You need to consider it, um, these truths that we're sharing with you each night. Then on the final night, we said that we are triumphant. I can be with Jesus forever. And so we talked about the resurrection and that Jesus rose from the dead. And that's how we went out on the Friday night, triumphant. The theme verse you heard it quoted in the video was Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, this translation is actually great. That's on the screen behind me. You're going to help hear me say demonstrates a lot just because that's how I have it memorized. But that word demonstrate just means shows, doesn't it? God shows us his love. Well, how does God show us his love? Well, this verse says it's through Jesus Christ dying on the cross. While you were a sinner, Jesus died for you. Now, sometimes we don't feel God's love, and, and you might think, well, God demonstrates his love in other ways, too. And I would say, absolutely. He absolutely does. I look out the window, I can see orange flowers over there, and that's him demonstrating his love to me. People were kind to me this morning, and that's God demonstrating his love to me through the kindness of others. God is screaming his love at us all day, every day. We just don't always hear it. But this verse is saying, let's focus on this one way he demonstrates it, that Jesus Christ died for us. It sort of uh, reminds me of um, 
the, the love languages. So if you've ever read the book by Dr. Gary Chapman, he wrote, um, where he emphasizes, uh, or he presents the, the premise that, or the proposes that there are five love languages. He says, as husbands and wives primarily, you might think about what your love language is. So he says you got five. So you have words of affirmation, you have acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. So Dr. Chapman supposes that each of us speaks in all of these languages, but probably one we're more fluent in than another. So words of affirmation is just what you might imagine. Some people communicate love through words, through compliments and praise and encouragement. But others communicate love through acts of service, of vacuuming the rug and doing the dishes. Others demonstrate their love through um, giving gifts, right? They love to give gifts. That's how they communicate love is by giving things. Others, it's quality time. They just want to be with the other individual with uninterrupted, just quality one-on-one time. That's love for them. And then other is physical touch, right? The appropriate hug or kiss or high five or whatever it might be. So for me... The love language that I am most fluent in, as it comes to Caroline, is uh, acts of service. We all speak all the different languages, but I would say that's the one that is my go-to. Now, Caroline really values words of affirmation, and so couples don't always speak the same love language. So here's a scenario that could play out in our house. I'm not saying it ever has, but it's possible I could get up early and go down and clean the kitchen um, and put everything away and then start making breakfast for the kids and I'm getting everything ready and then and then Caroline would walk into the kitchen looking just radiantly beautiful just stunning and uh, she would walk into the kitchen and and I would greet her this way could you move I'm trying to get the kids breakfast and then if she's being gracious with me she might respond in okay what about good morning? Or maybe, I love you. Or maybe, um, you look nice. So we speak different languages. Um, that's really giving me a, a pass on probably the different issue altogether. But we speak different languages as couples sometimes. Um, but what is God's love language? I think he speaks all the love languages, right? But I think Romans 5.8 might be saying, here's the one he's most fluent in. He demonstrated his love to us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So as you look at that verse closely, we can put it back up. That word shows that's on the screen is in the present tense. And I think if you think about it for a minute, you might think it should be in the past tense. God demonstrated his love for us 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross for us. In the past tense, he did demonstrate his love. That was a historical event in the past. But through the inspiration of God, as we wrote scripture, it was put down in the present tense. No, God actively today shows you his love. How? Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of your sins while you were still a sinner. See, the reason it has to be in the present tense is because I still sin every day. Every day I need his forgiveness to wash over me. I need his grace and his mercy to be present in my life. Every day I am unfaithful to him and his faithfulness to me is steady. So that Jesus currently in this present moment is extending to me his love. He is demonstrating it to me even right now through his death on the cross 2,000 years ago. I think of it like this, and I think that uh, Dr. Chapman does as well. We have this tank inside of us, this gas tank inside of our bodies. 
I realize I just triggered some of you. Gas is expensive. <laughs> now we can, are you ready now for the illustration? Okay. There's a gas tank inside of each of us, except it doesn't run on gas, it runs on love. We have a love tank, and it needs to be filled up. It's a great illustration. Dr. Chapman will use it in his writings to say that we need to make efforts to try and fill our spouse's tank through a love language that they can receive and, and value. And that's a really good way to use the illustration. But as we think about God's love, God's love meets a need in our hearts that's even deeper than what our spouse can meet. There's this deep desire within human beings to have a level of love that only God can provide for us. And as we look to other people to fill our love tank, oftentimes we can become frustrated and annoyed at other people when they don't fill up our tank like we expect them to because we're expecting other people to do something that only God can do for us. And that is fill this special tank that he has designed that he might fill up. He's the only one who can do it. He's the only one. And we're all looking to have it filled. But the great country song that I'm sure you know, remember it? Looking for love in all the wrong places. Do you remember that one? Looking for love in all the wrong faces. That's all I got. We look for love in all the wrong places sometimes. So we look and we say, you know, I have this empty tank and I need to have it filled up or I'm going to run out. So I see this person. This person will fill me up with love. This group of people will fill me up with love. And we slowly learn that, oh, they didn't fill me up or they didn't give me the love that I needed to get through the day. Or, or we begin to learn as we mature that, oh, it's really a lot of work to earn the love of other people. I know if I'm funny, they will love me. I know if I get good grades, they will love me. I know if I'm good at sports, then they'll love me. I know if I make them happy, then they'll give me love. I know if I, if I agree with them, then they'll love me. And as we go through life and we mature, we begin to become weary because we don't like having to earn all the love all the time. And we realize that no one's love is truly unconditional. And we can, if we're not careful, we get hurt and we have wounds and we grow cynical and skeptical of these offers of love. And we begin to ask ourselves, who really loves me? Who really loves me unconditionally? Whose love will never go away? Is there anyone, is there any source of love in this life who will make me feel like I belong and it's unconditional? Was there anyone out there who would just die for me? And God is saying, I demonstrate my love for you in this. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. God loves you. He died for you. And he's the only one that can meet those deep, deep core needs in our lives. He's demonstrating his love to you every day. The question oftentimes is, are you looking for it? Are you seeking it? Are you receiving it? He is demonstrating his love every day. He's demonstrating his love to us even while we sin. He demonstrates his love to us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We don't earn his love by good works. This is a really popular misconception about Christianity. People assume that Christianity is a religion like all the other religions in the world. And so what this is, is it's a tool to help me understand how I can please God. And as I please God, then he will love me more and more. But that is not the premise of Christianity. It is distinctive from other religions. In Christianity, we start with the love of God. The love of God poured out in creation. The love of God poured out to us through Jesus on the cross. And we have this premise that it is all by grace. It is not anything that I do. And so we are told in, the, in Scripture that we love because he first loved us. We respond to his love. So we don't earn it. There's nothing we can do. While we were sinners, he died for us. I think really the best illustration of this verse happens as Jesus hung on the cross. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, on either side of him were two thieves. 
and they were dying for sins that they committed. And while they were actively dying, while they were actively in their sins, Jesus was actively dying for their sins. These men were so sinful that even while they were hanging on the cross with the Son of God, they ridiculed him. We're told that both of them mocked Jesus even as he was dying. They were in their sins. Somehow, one of the thieves had a moment of clarity. And we're told in Scripture that he turns to Jesus and he says, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus turns to him and says, Today you will be with me in paradise. You see, while the thief was in his sins, while he was a sinner, Jesus died for him. And God's love was demonstrated to him. What did he do to earn God's love? Nothing. What had the thief done to earn God's love? Not a thing. He didn't get baptized. He wasn't a member of a church. He'd never been to a Bible study. Lenny sent me a, a clip a couple weeks ago of Pastor Alistair Begg um, preaching, and he was imagining what would it look like when that thief shows up in heaven. It's a great clip, and I'm going to tell you what he says. He says, let's use our imagination. So the thief on the cross appears on the streets of heaven. An angel says to him, oh, well, where did you come from? What are you doing here? And the thief on the cross says, oh, I don't know. And the angel says, no, but really, like, what are you doing here? And the thief says, I don't know what's going on. So the angel says, I need to get my supervisor. So he goes and he gets his supervisor angel, brings the supervisor angel over, and he says, excuse me, sir, but if you're going to stay here, you're really going to have to answer a few questions. So let's just start with some basic doctrines. Can you please explain to us what justification by faith means? Never heard of it. Okay, let's talk about the inerrancy of Scripture. And the supervisor angel turns to the thief and he says, on what basis are you here? And he says, the man on the middle cross told me that I could come, and so I came. See, that's it. He didn't, wasn't about how much he knew, wasn't about how much he did, it wasn't about the intensity of his faith. It was all about Jesus. Now, for some of us, the thief on the cross story doesn't really resonate because I can answer those questions. I can define justification by faith, and I can talk to you about the inerrancy of Scripture, and I can pass to that angel my spiritual resume of all the classes I've taken and all the things I've learned and all the things I've done. I can handle that interview. Well, but that's, that's not what it's about, is it? That's what we often want to make it about. But Christianity is about this, God demonstrating his love to us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's not about the good works that you do that's earning you some place in heaven. Even in your sin, Jesus is giving his life for you, demonstrating his love. What we told the kids at camp was, we said this demonstration of God's love demands a response. It was our mega point for the day. Jesus was ready to respond. Are you ready to respond? told the kids, responding is just as simple as ABC. And I've told you that as well. It's as simple as admitting that you are a sinner, admitting that you've done wrong, believing that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, and then committing to a different path than the one that you're on. I told the kids, imagine that at the edge of this stage is a 20,000-foot drop down to the jagged rocks below, and you see me, and I am walking on a path that leads towards that cliff's edge. I said to those kids, you would tell me, wouldn't you? But here's the deal. As you told me where this path leads, I would have to what? A, I would have to admit that I'm on a bad path. 
I'd have to believe that what you're telling me is true. And then see, I would have to commit to another path. And so that's what the response is. It's the demonstration of God's love for you and Jesus dying on the cross for you. Is you need to admit that you are a sinner, that you're on a bad path. Believe that there is a better way and then commit to his way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that's the response that we invite you to, we invited your children to. And then the verse closes with, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you've been around church long enough, it almost becomes just rote memory, the cross, the cross. Yes, Jesus died for us, Jesus died for us. So let me tell you the story as I read it this week, as someone using their imagination to try and make Jesus' death on the cross meaningful for us in ways that we maybe haven't thought of before. So the way this story is written is, imagine a long time ago, in Russia, there was a, a, a village tribal leader, and he gathered his tribe together. And in this tribal setting, he said, I only have two laws for you to live by. Law number one is you must love your parents. Law number two is you must not steal. And so his tribe just flourishes more than all the other tribes around him. But one day they have a report of stealing. So he gathers the tribe together into the city hall, the town hall there, and he says, okay, who did the stealing? You need to step forward, and nobody steps forward. He says, okay, if you're not going to step forward, then you're going to get 10 lashes. And it's going to go to 20 if no one steps forward in the next minute. No one steps forward, he goes to 20. Then it's 30, and then it's 40, and he stops at 40 because he doesn't think anyone can survive more than 40 lashes. He disperses the villagers and he says to his leaders, he says, go out into the village and you find out who the thief is and you bring them back here. So they go off and they find the thief. They do their detective work. They gather the village together back into the town hall and they, he, the village leader says, bring out the thief. And they do. And murmurs start all throughout the crowd as they see that it's the village leader's own mother who has been stealing. And the buzz in the crowd is this, what will the village leader do? He has to break one of his two laws. He either has to not love his mother or he has to love his mother and not punish the stealing. What will the village leader do? And he calls his mother to the center. He calls the man who gives the lashes to the center. And then right as the man with the whip is getting ready to whip his own mother, the village leader steps into the circle, takes off his shirt, and wraps his frail mother in his arms and receives all 40 lashes. Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He took our punishment for the sins that we deserved. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how God demonstrates his love for us. I encourage your children to hear that story and ask the question, so what? And I encourage you to do the same. I encourage you to look right back at me and just think, so what? So what? Because I'd love to answer that question. It has just radical implications for your life. That changes your whole identity. I am a child of God. He loves me so much. He died for me. I am valued. I am treasured by God. It gives me a sense of belonging. I belong to him. I am secure in him. I am confident in his love. It gives me a purpose to go out and demonstrate that same kind of love for others. See, there's people all around us who are struggling with low self-esteem, insecurity, searching to belong, struggling with their identity, and this is the solution for them. 
The other night, we were sitting together as a family at the dinner table, and our kids were talking to us about school and the school bus and telling us stories that made us uh, concerned. But uh, um, they tell us the story of one, a child that they know. It's not a great story, right? It involves meanness, bad words, and bad comments. And so we took the opportunity to say, well, this is what we talk about. This is a bully. And you should avoid this person and, and, and you know, tell someone if you need to. And... But then as I was listening closer, as they continued to talk, I began to think differently. And I began to ask different questions to see what my kids knew. And I began to get a different picture in my mind. And I began to think, oh, you know what? This kid isn't getting love. Start to hear descriptions of their home or how they come to school. And I began to think, oh, I bet you what's happening here is this poor kid isn't getting the love that they need. No one's filling up that love tank, and so this child's insecure. This child has no confidence that anyone loves them, and so they're lashing out, and they're hurting people. Bullies come in all ages. They come in all sizes and shapes. And we don't need any more bullies. That's why it's so important. It's because we need people who will scatter out of this room today and be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, demonstrating his love to the people that are out there, demonstrating it in and confidence and in who Jesus is and how he has loved us so that we can go and love others. What transforms the heart of a bully is the demonstrated love of God. I think what's so powerful about the demonstration of Jesus' love, if we circle back to Dr. Chapman's premise, is I think that on the cross, Jesus demonstrated his love through words of affirmation. As he used words to tell the thief that he could come to heaven as he said words such as, it is finished. Those should be very affirming words that we hear from Jesus, that your sin debt has been paid. We see Jesus demonstrating his love on the cross through a profound act of service. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It is the most extraordinary giving of a gift that you could have. It is quality time as the God of heaven descended to earth to spend some quality time with his children. And think about this. After Jesus dies on the cross, resurrects, and goes up to heaven, we get the Holy Spirit who abides within us, giving us that quality time. Physical touch, I think that as you read through the Gospels and you think to yourself, why did Jesus have to reach out and touch so many people? Well, he didn't. But he chose to. He chose to reach out to Thomas and say, touch my wounds, feel my side. And you know what he's going to do one day? Is he's going to transform your body and my body into a glorious body, and we're going to get up to heaven, and we are going to embrace the Son of God. I think his love is demonstrated so extraordinarily in that he communicates all of the ways of his love as he dies on the cross for your sins and for mine. As we close our time together, it's easy for me to say to you, now go and give that kind of love to someone else. Jesus tells us to do this. He, Jesus says, just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. Here's the catch, though. Here's what's so important for you to hear. We love because he first loved us. If you haven't experienced that powerful uh, effect of, of realizing that demonstrated love of God in your life, then you, your tank isn't filled to go out there and give it away to others why we sing these songs and preach these sermons is so that we might be filled up with the love of God so that we can go out and after we've experienced his love now we can go out and give it to others and that's what we celebrate today that's what we're celebrating we're celebrating that as the kids gathered here they received words of affirmation every kid that came through here 
was affirmed. We're celebrating that there was acts of service. We're celebrating that we had over 100 volunteers involved in serving God and serving others. We're celebrating gifts. We're celebrating $2,441 given to a missionary in Indonesia. We're celebrating love demonstrated through quality time spent with children. We're celebrating love demonstrated through appropriate physical touches of high fives and hugs. We're celebrating today what this church has done this week to demonstrate the love of God, but we're really highlighting that we were only able to do it because he first loved us, and he so radically changed us.